Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, an artist, or a boss. This week we're talking about Bruce Springsteen. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I am Dax. Jared. And this is Tyler. And once again this week we're talking about the artist Bruce Springsteen. And how did we feel about listening to Bruce Springsteen this week? This was a Jared pick. I will go ahead and put you put that information out there. I, I know that Jared... Uh, Bruce Springsteen has been a big, big important part of your listening experience for I do not even know how long now. Very long time. I I believe I purchased a Bruce Springsteen record, one of the first, uh, probably born in the USA, uh, the one of the first records I ever purchased ever Indeed. in my life. Yeah. But I, so I listened to that, obviously, big fan of that. Then I listened to Born to Run, the song and the album. And then I got the discography of Bruce prior to 2012. And I, because I knew about him, uh, you know, like I knew his music and then also went around the 2007-ish era when uh, the album Magic came out. I kind of knew a little bit about him, but I kind of like separated the current Bruce from the old Bruce. Current Bruce and at that time, old Bruce would have been. So the the maybe late 2000s to early 2010s would be the modern. Mm-hmm. And I assume that the old Bruce probably ends around like 87. Eh, probably. Maybe. I don't know, because I just kind of knew. So- I knew songs. But right. I, and I also had the the records of you know. But I don't know what my first thing of Bruce was. I think I just kind of saw Born in the USA at, a, at the flea market or something and bought it and knew it was. Right. I honestly, might did you get listened. drawn in by that butt? No. Saw that butt and you were like, man, oh man, I got to buy them jeans. Yeah, give me them jeans. I think that probably also my mom. I just listened to my mom's record of it too. Probably. That's also it might possible. not even buy been my copy. But anyways, yeah, I've, I've liked Bruce for a very long time. Then I kind of delved further into the discography and, and learned about the E Street Band and, and, and different things about that and just the songwriting and the music and such. And, and I've been a fan since then. Well, Heartland Rock has just become kind of like one of the staples in terms of like something that you enjoy musically mm-hmm. regardless. Like, yeah, I like big Gas production. Anthem has been something mm-hmm. that you've enjoyed for a long time. But yeah, the big... Another Jersey group. But yeah, the the... The big production is definitely something that makes sense too. Uh, obviously, doesn't span all of the albums, but the the vast majority of Bruce's albums are very heavily produced. Yes. So, Dax, how did you feel about listening to old Bruce? Uh, I liked uh, many parts of it. Uh, funny enough, my favorite album by him wasn't even by him. It was a cover album. If that tells you anything. Which album was your favorite? Uh, we shall overcome the Seeger sessions. Oh, you like that that much? Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I like Seeger. Like that that much? I love Pete Seeger. He's like yeah. one of my favorites. I would rather listen to Pete Seeger, but uh, if we're listening to Bruce in a week, uh, I'm I'm gonna be okay listening to some Pete Seeger songs. Makes sense to me. I think collectively, I enjoyed what would amount to one Bruce album. That's it. Yes. You know I don't wow. like it. You know I don't like it, and it's not. It's not bad, and I respect Bruce Springsteen, and I I like the idea behind a lot of his music. Yeah. But I don't like it. Well, okay, so let's put all the pieces of what makes a Bruce Springsteen album, because the vast majority of his albums are, you know, 
not identical, but a lot of it sounds it it, it takes the same elements throughout, other than a couple, yeah. you know, yeah. a couple. Well, there's a period steps where, it, where it's different. There's a period where it sounds like he remembered he could play guitar, and that he's kind of making rock music, and that the guitar becomes more prominent. Are you talking like the seventies? I'm talking late seventies into the eighties. Yeah, I'm talking Born to Run is a little like that. Darkness on the Edge of Town is more like that. And even the River's got some of it on there. Sure, the first two are pretty. The guitar's mixed kind of at the same level as everything else. And in fact, there's the solos on some of these songs that don't even. It's like just space for music, hmm. and it's like the solos buried, you know, and doesn't. What's it matter? Yeah. So, but yeah, there's that. And then, really, I would say probably at Darkness on the Edge of Town is probably where he really started to incorporate more of his, like, social awareness into the music that he was writing. Jared, would you agree with that, that it was Darkness on the Edge of Town, that that was really when that started to come out? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think there's a little bit on Born to Run. Mm -hmm. A little bit, but I I don't think it was as prominent. And it wasn't as as cynical. There was a there was a deep cynicism to Darkness on the Edge of Town that was not necessarily there on Born Run or the previous two right. albums. And it was also more localized. You know, like you had uh Thunder Road and you had Jungle Land where they were like local to yes. where he is yeah, New York. politically. Right. Yeah. An incident on fifty seventh Street, things like you know, like, Yeah, that wasn't a bad tune. These are things going on around him rather than uh, nationwide songs. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's a very folk-inspired thing to do, which mm-hmm. what makes the Pete Seeger album make so much sense. I think. Yeah, that makes. I mean, you could definitely see why he would take so much inspiration from somebody like that, given given what you know about his music. But there's the the social awareness. There is what you have described, Tyler, as a awareness of how to play the guitar, I guess, is how you're describing it. It's just remembering that the guitar is an instrument that you, that you Bruce Springsteen, play yourself. I see what and you're that saying. Is, and that is like something that is prominent in rock music. And like when you have a guitar solo, don't bury it in the mix with everything else. And and to say that, because I think one of the things that I think was uh, essential to early Bruce and especially essential to the earliest of Bruce is the E Street Band. Of course. And I think that that is often a very heavily forgotten piece of Bruce Springsteen because it's not as though... So, like, you would think that maybe Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band is really only a thing that happened on the Wild, the Innocent, and the E Street Shuffle, but that is not the case. They were on, really, almost all of these albums, aside for really just Nebraska, I would say. Yeah, listen, that's when he thought no, he was the gonna... later stuff as well. That, I mean, we didn't listen to the later stuff, but yeah, that's correct. Right, right. They're all of the early stuff, basically. Like Born to Run, that that sax solo was Clarence Clemens. You know, yeah. like a lot of the, the big production stuff was all E Street because they're known as his backing band. Yeah, right. Like live, right. you know, the all of the live. Uh, if you look at like what E Street band is credited with, it's the live stuff. But they also did studio work and, you know, like on the front of the albums, it says Bruce Springsteen, but you know that it's the E Street Band as well, mostly. Right. Especially like even later on with um, Wrecking Ball, they did a lot for that as well. Yeah. The reason I know of the E Street Band was because Max Weinberg was the drummer for Conan. Yep. Yeah. For a long time. Oh, that yep. makes sense. And then little, little Stevie, Stephen Van Zant was a rel- like he's got a show on, uh, had a show on Netflix called, I believe, Lilyhammer, 
uh, you know, so the, they've done some other things. But yeah, Max Weinberg, I knew him from that as well. Yeah. Well, he yeah, he and he's done a few other things, too. That's gotten him out where people would be more familiar with him. And it's yeah. nice because like in, in 2014, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So right. they, they were able to, you know, know the the Hall of Fame was like credit where that some some of that success came from from bruce absolutely they put both the the backing band and him into it because you know without the live performance which he's known for putting on three four hour concerts you have to have us you you have to have you know the the stuff to have that where it's not only bruce you know he's not playing guitar for five hours he's got all the other stuff included in Big yeah. production shows and such. Well, I think that really, in, in in particular, Greetings from Asbury and The Wild, The Innocent, both of those albums, the production and the instrumentation is really probably the biggest highlight of those two albums in particular. I think that Bruce Springsteen as a songwriter and as a performer really started to shine as of Born to Run. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was a good addition to the E Street Band, but I don't see him as the prominent focus of those first two albums. I think that really you've got a lot of jazzy interludes. You've got a lot of like, you, you've got a lot of music happening, a lot of sound happening on those two albums that you're not necessarily seeing as much or as heavily focused upon in later like issues of his music yeah well as it also strays towards pop it begins to change absolutely you know and born to run is an area where it begins to do so and as it does that Mm -hmm. and eventually ends up as in almost i mean born in the usa is a pop album absolutely you know what i mean so as it ends there you know through that whole period you start to see less of the band as continual sound machine you know what i mean and more as Someone that's creating the backing portion of a track. Right. Because if you look at Born in the USA, so take a song like Dancing in the Dark, that's all synth. There's right. there's no E Street band really to Dancing in the Dark. No, even the title track. Yeah. It's just drums and synth for the most part. Like that's right. the those are the predominant sounds of that that drive that whole song. Right. There's definitely a, a huge lack of E Street band in most of Born in the USA. I would argue there's definitely portions where you can see that they were a part of that, but the the spotlight was way more on Bruce and right. synth. Yeah. Very 80s synth, which is why I agree for sure it is a pop album, which is why it did so well. Was because Bruce Springsteen, yeah. a already, you know, popularized artist, was making a big pop album. And it's why it's like, what is it, the third most sold album from the oh, entire decade of the 80s? It's huge, which is wild to think of him in the 80s and doing that type of thing when you're familiar with his earlier career. Right. Although, I mean, but Born, it's really just like Born to Run already starts to kind of head towards it. You know, and the big yeah. songs on Born to Run are already kind of moving in that direction a little bit. Sure. Even though they're not there with the instrumentation necessarily. And, I mean, that thing, it's also comes into, like, the, the America's ignorance. You can't act like that doesn't play into it because Born in the USA is an album that has a lot of political stuff on it. For sure. But it's a pop album, you know, and... For people who like the politi- politicized portion of his music, they can enjoy it. And people who don't equally enjoy it. I mean, Born in the USA is a song. 
I was. It's a song that they do for like fireworks yeah, shows, all and sorts it doesn't of make any no, damn sense. No, it at all. doesn't because it goes you don't over listen, everybody's head. Right, you don't really listen to anything but the chorus. That's all they pay attention to. Yeah, and it's just like that's the part of Bruce Springsteen though that I. I mean, that's what the part of him that I respect. Yeah, the part of his career. I mean, that's that's important. So it's weird to think that people can so easily latch on to something just because it's pop. Right. And totally disregard, you know, what potential meaning the artist might have put into it. And that, I mean, that's one of the major points that I think is important to talk about with Springsteen. And Jared, I'm sure that you would agree with this, at least to some degree. Springsteen was in a lot of ways a inspiration and a alternative to a Dylan. Yeah, it's just a different, like, place. I mean, he was from New Jersey, but he kind of was more of a... Um, you know, Midwestern kind of guy, you know, that you could go, you know, be, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, it sounds, he sounds like Dylan when he's singing in the early work, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of Dylan style, you know, the way he does lyrical delivery, which is weird because I'm not, for some reason doesn't, I don't like it that much, but I like Dylan, but you can hear a lot of Dylan in it. Absolutely. in, In the initial early stuff. The two, the two initial albums, really. It's yeah, very, the first, the seventy-three albums, you can certainly hear it. Yeah, the the Dylan inspiration is very clear, but the songwriting, I think, is the essential key to a lot of his music, and that people don't really pay attention to is his honestly very, very good songwriting style. He has a very strong way to write lyricism and to write the music into the lyricism well, and to tell stories very well as well. Absolutely, and I think that. That's why, and I'll get into this a little bit now, but Nebraska is definitely my favorite album from Bruce Springsteen throughout. Mm-hmm. I think that that album is really the 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 best example of an album to shine the spotlight on the songwriting of Bruce Springsteen as an artist and really exposes how important he was as an artist, whereas other albums he sometimes gets a little lost in the shuffle, but lost in the East Street shuffle, of mm. course, but... He gets a little lost in the shuffle of how big the production is, and you forget how important what he brings to the table is. And I think that's why Nebraska is such a good album, is because you can really see, oh, Bruce Springsteen, very important artist, right there in front of you. Fair. Yeah, I just wondered where his accent came from. That came out on a lot of different places. Yeah, it did, but Nebraska's where it's just like, what? You're from New Jersey, and I don't understand how you're singing. Why you're singing like this? How you're singing like this? That bugged me to no end on the album Tunnel of Love. Oh, Tunnel of Love, it's like that. But it's not even an album where it seems like it makes sense or is warranted to sound that way. Yeah. It just kind of... He puts on uh, uh, such a heavy twang. Yeah, I don't know where... I have no idea where it came from. But... Yeah. I will go ahead. Very rarely, I feel, that I, I... I willingly throw out my first track to to get things started. But I will say that my first track is off of Nebraska, and it is the song State Trooper. Maybe you got a kid. Maybe you got a pretty wife. The only thing that I been bothering me my whole life Mr. State Trooper Please don't stop 
fact, the uh, the singer from Thrice, Dustin Kinsrew, has a wonderful, wonderful cover of that song that is worth checking out off of his album, Thoughts That Float on a Different Blood. Check that one out. But hmm. I think that that song is just, it shows the the awareness that Springsteen had as a songwriter. It showed the power that he could put into his lyrics, and it showed that he, again, could really lead the force of a song very well, where a lot of times you might think that everything is all production and it's just all this glitz and glamour of pop music, but it's really not when it comes down to it. You want to turn over to Patreon for a second? I would love to. What's up? Uh, David, uh, one of our patrons, uh, wants to uh, put out his favorite song. Yeah? He put two. He put uh, My Hometown. Uh-huh. Uh, but he also uh, said, I Ain't Got No Home, which is from Folkways, A Vision Shared. It's a Woody Guthrie cover album. Oh, really? Yeah. There, huh. there are a bunch of... It's a tribute, so... Uh, Dylan's on there, John Mellencamp, Springsteen, U2 is on there. Oh, really? Uh, Willie Nelson, Arlo Guthrie, Emmylou Harris, Brian Wilson. Where's Wilco? Pete Seeger is on there, too. Where is Wilco? Wilco, Wilco didn't make it. Rude. Neither did um, Mr. Did They're recording the ZZ Top album. Oh, Come you're right. Mm. Did you say Seeger was on that? Uh, yeah, Pete Seeger was on there. So you're telling me that Pete Seeger and Bruce Springsteen both were celebrating Woody Guthrie on an album, and then later Bruce Springsteen celebrated Pete Seeger on an album. That's that's what I'm telling you. That's a that's quite that's the circle right saying. there. That's, want, that's impressive. You want to play this song? Yeah, please. I ain't got no home. I ain't got no home, I'm just a rambling round I work when I can get it, I roam from town to town Police make it hard, boys, wherever I may go I ain't got no home in this world like that that's pretty good that's pretty good out of curiosity and we may just cut this but can we listen to that u2 track it's jesus christ i just want to see we will most certainly cut it i want to see what kind of sound we will most certainly cut it Sounds We're like done you, with that. That sounds was awful. Like you too. That's awesome. Sounds like you uh, two tried to do Jesus Loves Me. Oh, little Richard was on here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you two tried to do Jesus Loves Me. Is Horrible. A great, is a great way to put that. All right. Let's move along with the pertinent things. Did anybody else have anything to say on Patreon or was that just David who mentioned that? Uh, just David, but he, he also uh, mentioned something else. Please. His favorite TV performance. It is singing With My Hair with Jimmy Fallon. Ooh, let's go ahead and play that All TV right, performance. Why not, it. huh? Yeah. With my hair back and forth, real good. All my ladies, if you feel me, whip your hair. Do it, do it, whip your hair. Whip your hair. No matter if it's long or short, whip your hair. better with devo yeah you think so whip it real good could have 
while we're on silly stuff i was gonna say you, let's get some let's get some silly silly bits out here yeah uh can we listen to robin williams uh performing elmer fudd sings bruce springsteen you say you don't like it I say you're a wire But when we get It's like fire Beautiful stuff right mm-hmm. there. And of course, worth mentioning at this point in time is the fact that Sesame Street has quite the uh, quite the affinity for Bruce Springsteen songs, honestly. Indeed, indeed they do. One would think that usually when you cover like one song from an artist, you're like, that's good. We're done. But no, Muppets love Bruce Springsteen. Jared, would you prefer to play the song uh, Barn in the USA, Barn in the USA, or Born to Add? This is a tough one, I know. I'm going to say Barn in the USA. You got it. My personal favorite part about that entire performance is that you can clearly see that the puppet that they used as Bruce Springsteen is the same one that they used for Born to Add, and therefore that tells me that they held on to that Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. puppet and knew they were going to use that Bruce Springsteen puppet again. They were aware. <laughs> they trying so hard to tell you to stop. Toss it aside like that MC Hammer puppet they had that one time. <laughs> they threw it. They threw it right in the trash. They don't need it. We're going to do this once. We're done. I heard it got repossessed. I heard it got banned from Sesame Street because of the enormous puppet (laughs) dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pretty sure, actually, that the puppet was trying to get back on to make some more money, but they just wouldn't let it in. He'd ran out. The the well had run dry. It was gone. He had misappropriated funds somehow. Go check out Good Band, Bad Band. Please do. Anyways, uh, so I mentioned that my favorite album was, or do we have any more Silly Silly Bits? I got a couple boop boops. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. please. I was gonna, I was gonna keep transitioning to more stuff than the serious stuff. But let's do some boop 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 boop. All right, some sounding familiar things. Let's listen to the song "Radio Nowhere" by Mr. Bruce. Jenny, Jenny. It's 8675309 by Tommy Two-Tone. Golly gee, huh? Yeah, there are but three chords. The same things. That's fair. all songs are the same song. Actually, Clownvis told me that a couple of days ago. <laughs> it rings true. I got one more. 
I like this one better. I, I'm I really do too. This, this one. one's I'm really excited about. Uh, Caleb and I were driving around looking at all the people avoiding quarantine, and uh, we were listening to this, and we both we both figured it out. It's uh, play Outlaw Pete from Bruce. Go to about minute forty. sound it did familiar what did that sound like it sounded like something something loving you baby (laughs) i was i was made for loving you kiss you know how i feel about kiss disco bs Kiss Disco BS. And it's about how you feel about Bruce Springsteen's discography. I don't know which one's worse, quite honestly. I'm just joking. <laughs> I do absolutely know which one's worse. It's most certainly Kiss. Is it Kiss? Is oh, Kiss? yes. Bruce Springsteen's better than Kiss. Let's be real. Thank oh, well, you. Let's be real about <laughs> that's that. A, that's, a, that's not a hard sell at all. No, not at all. Okay, so I mentioned that my favorite album is Nebraska a little bit ago. Uh, after we got through all the silly, silly, silly bits. Uh, does anybody else want to mention what they think is probably the album that stood out to them the most from Bruce Springsteen? Well, the, I mentioned mine also. Right. The cover album. Mine's probably Born in the USA, just based on sheer uh, track success and, and just it's an iconic album. It is a big album. It's a, fa- yeah. it's a fair album to pick. The two that stood out to me were, let's see, The Wild, The Innocent, and The East Street Shuffle. Yeah, uh, and when I started listening to that, I was like, "This is probably going to be the album I choose." And it was the only one that consistently I went through and was like, "Okay, that was all right." And the other one was "Darkness on the Edge of Town," which the beginning of "Darkness on the Edge of Town," the first you know third to half was okay. In fact, my favorite song, let's go ahead and say it, is "Badlands," which is the first Springsteen song I heard this week that I could actually make it through the entire song and be all right about. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen to that, to Darkness on the Edge of Town. I heard that. And I heard Adam raised a cane. I'm like, whoa, sounds like Bruce got hard. Yeah. The man's hardened up. He's going to play some rock music. And then the whole second half of it's just like, nope. You know that song? Nope, I'm not. I don't know if it actually sounds like it, but it was reminding me of uh, My Best Friend's Girl. Mm. The Cars. Don't even say that. <laughs> it <laughs> really did. It sounded just you. like that. You, st- you stop right there. The Cars are a really good yeah, band. They're better than many other bands. Dax, you just, you just need to, you oh, know. they are. I mean, sure, there are, sure, there's quite a handful of bands that are better than. I mean, I know one singular band that. Listen, if we're going to keep not better calling back on <laughs> things, I'm going to go back to playing the Modest Mouse intro. <laughs> Oh, we haven't done that in so long. Horn intro. Should we bring horn intro back for just this one time? No, I'm kidding. Do it. Bruce uses a lot of horns. Only if Clarence Clemens. He's got a lot of horns.
Devo's better than Carnes anyway. No. No. It doesn't matter because, you know, there's only... It doesn't matter. Devo's better. All right. All right. Never again. Never again are we going to... Uh, we'll do it at some point. I don't yeah. know when. Yeah. Call back to all those those we'll, longtime listeners who we'll somehow remember it. that we did that, I we'll, guess. We'll do it. So anywho, yeah, I thought that that's what was happening, and then it didn't happen the rest of that album. And then no. I listened to The River, and it didn't happen ever again. So. Well, what, do you, what did you guys What was the other album? The River? No, his other one, My other one was, was The Wild and Innocent. Uh, yeah, Wild and Innocent, okay. which okay. is a pretty good... That album is pretty good, really, all in all. I mean, I think it's got some good stuff to it. New York City Serenade's a little bloated. The mm, East Street me, Shuffle is a great song. It's good. I, think, I love that I song. I think Incident on 57th Street's pretty good. Will, yeah. Wild Billy Circus Story's kind of a fun it's song. pretty odd. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. weird. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, which for sure. which is uh, also some of the instrumentation on here is kind of remem- uh, similar to Tom Waits, someone that mm-hmm. you enjoy as well. Yeah, I also enjoy Tom Waits. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they got he's got some accordion. He uses really on the on that album kind of a brings like folk music from different uh, areas of the world. Yeah, and yeah, brings it in, utilizes some of the the aspects of folk music in various places, Eastern Europe particularly. You know, you can hear some Eastern European stuff in there. It worked pretty good. So, what did you guys think about the river? I like the river. It's a double album. No, thank you. It's bloated, perhaps. I like it's a bit bloated. I like the song "The River." Yeah, Uh. the river is a good song. There's just a lot of moments where I found that the river was very odd, and then other moments where I thought the river was actually pretty okay. So, the album, if it had cut out like maybe five. Five or six very particularly weird songs. I feel like I would have probably enjoyed the river a little bit more. But like Crush on You is an awful track. Just unobjectively one of Bruce Springsteen's worst songs. Do you guys remember Crush on You? Uh, that album's difficult. Let me let me play a little bit of Crush on You just so you can get a little bit of a perspective on what this song sounds like. Sounds, it sounds like a Rolling Stones song if Mick Jagger screamed at you. That's what I was thinking. Like, uh, do you think you need to scream the entire song, Bruce? Yeah, the hook wasn't super great on that one, was it? No, the chorus is awful. Yeah. Truly an awful chorus. And you can look, but you better not touch is like, isn't that the song that he yeah, wrote? that one's not great. Particularly like thinking of Elvis. I think so. That's yeah. Not yeah. Good. That's pretty good. I didn't think Independence Day was all that good either myself. I'm sure people will. Think differently. That or Jackson Cage. Those are some of the not super songs I like. Hungry Heart Smith. off of that album is pretty good. That's, That's one, one of his big hits. I like Hungry Heart. I like a lot. Hungry Heart as well. I also enjoy the last song. I like both last songs from uh, the doubles. So the River Wreck is on a the good highway song. And River. Wreck on the Highway is a great song. It's it's very inter- It's very similar to uh, Last Kiss. You know that where yeah. where can my baby be? Yeah, they're kind of similar in terms of finding wreckage on the highway. <laughs> I guess true. so. Fastballs, also, I suppose. I part was just going to bring the, up the, the screeching tires, the busting glass. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 
We are not professionals. It's a good song. But now yeah, we are. Woke up the rain was pouring down. We bring like the best material. I'm telling you. standing I'm telling all you. around. Something warm flowing down his face. Okay, so keep. We'll keep moving. Keep moving. Uh, born in the USA, definitely, definitely worth putting some attention on and some focus on in terms of uh, just content and thinking about that album. Again, like you said, it's just a pop album, which yeah. is such an odd thing for Bruce to have done, especially yeah, after Nebraska. Because Nebraska, so the story of Nebraska really is, is that he had come up with the ideas of these songs. He had sent them to the producers. They said, he he was thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to send these off to you know the E Street Band. They're going to put all this big production to it and whatever. And they never figured out what to do with it. So they just effectively just released them. Nebraska is really honestly just a release of demos. Mm. And it's very different from the rest of discography. And it didn't really do great early on, but it's kind of looked back on as one of his greatest albums like in retrospect. But Born in the USA following Nebraska is such an odd shift because Born in the USA is such a big pop album, such a big statement in terms of like the synth and in terms of the way he wrote the songs and the fact that he had more hooky choruses and like just everything about Born in the USA. It just feels a lot different. It sounds a little bit like what he's kind of trying to do on the river, but it is really truly its own it is its own project. It is its own entity. There's really nothing from Bruce Springsteen that sounds like Born in the USA, from my perspective. That's fair. No, probably not. I mean, really not. Tunnel of Love is also kind of a pop album, but in a little bit different vein. That's true. Tunnel of Love is trash. I'm going to say it's, it now. I don't like Tunnel it either. I think trash. it's pretty not good. I'll have to admit that a, I'm a, I have a pretty similar mindset. I like, but. I like uh, the song Walk Like a Man I thought was pretty good. Tougher Than the Rest is a pretty good song. It's it's more ballady. Yeah. It, uh, and it's not as good written. When You're Alone is a good song. That's that's a pretty good song. It's like the same pop, sim, like the pop, the pop semblances yeah, are definitely there. There's no drive to it. No, that's this, true. It's like southern pop almost. Yeah, kind of. I don't really understand understand it it doesn't really make a lot of sense no it doesn't make a lot of sense but i didn't i don't know there probably really isn't i mean the river isn't pop in the same way that born in the usa is that probably really the only album that's really like that you know born to run is a little bit more guitar heavy i would say it definitely is left i mean there's some synth styled i don't know if it's synth or if it's just the type of uh, if it might just be instrumentation i think it's more instrumentation born to run but they kind of do have like the song Born to Run, for instance, is a very poppy song. I mean, if you just replace some of that stuff with synths, yeah. you could get close to a Born in the USA style sound. I don't I don't know beginning. though. I honestly don't like I I know I can see the similarities between a Born to Run and more of his poppy music, but I honestly don't think that that song is super poppy. It's got some a little bit of a hook to it. But like the baby we were born to run is like really the only thing that sounds distinctive. Play, play the damn song. Let's play the damn song.
Yeah, that's a pop song. Yeah, see, the riff, <laughs> that riff song. is a pop riff. That's and a pop all of song. the shimmery stuff, I mean, it's like it's just like a rock song with lots of pop shimmery stuff layered on it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, right. it really is. That riff, right. and it's all instrumentation. There's no synth in there. No. We were mistaken there. I couldn't remember it quite correctly in my brain. But it's a, that is a pop riff. What Period. is? But what is all that instrumentation? I mean, again, it's. I mean, it makes sense, but like, it just the way that that sounds, like the the shimmery type of sound that you're talking about, it doesn't necessarily really feel like or sound like anything. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I can't really place what those no, sounds are very well, well. There's yeah, it's really difficult. There's some like, like chimes, uh, chimes or some some keys. Yeah, in there, uh, like a like a set of keys you're shaking in front of a baby. Yeah, that's what that's it is. what it is. There's a lot of it's a pop song. That's a pop song. I could definitely see that being a pop yeah, song. Yeah, and I hate that song. To be completely honest with you, <laughs> of course you hate. That. I absolutely hate. I you hate. Always that riff. hate like the most obvious songs from artists. I hate when he's. I hate, hate that riff. I hate that. I hate it. Hate all of it. All of it. Every bit of it. I hate his singing in it. I hate the stupid lyrics in it. I hate the. And my, I hate the riff. My favorite song, but you already played it. So I get to play another one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Give me an elbow. <laughs> Uh, why does everyone well, so, here hate I, things I'm that sorry. are fun? I'm sorry, Jared. I didn't write it. The the boss did. It's true. Just don't like it. Don't like it at all. Well, since you got your favorite song, Clay, can yeah, I please, get my ahead. favorite now? Please go for it. Um, my favorite song, I think, was American Land, which was loosely based on uh, P. Seeger. Maybe not loosely. I don't remember how much it was based on. Did you? Oh, you ended up going with American Land as your favorite song? I did. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I'm so happy about it's that. It's a good song. I I pulled him downstairs yesterday into the basement. I said, "Cody, you need to listen to this song <laughs> because I was so sure that he was gonna like it. It sounds nothing like any other Bruce Springsteen song. This is off of Wrecking Ball, of course." I think you accidentally played Dropkick Murphys. I think oh, I yeah, did. I think, so. I think I did. A close second favorite song is uh, Old Dan Tucker, oh, also Pete one. Seeger. Yeah. I I would say, as much as I love that song, the audacity <laughs> to play a song that is so clearly inspired by like Irish folk music and yeah. be like, it's American like a, Land, it's like man. A dub, it's just like a Dubliners song, really. It sounds like the Dubliners. A lot of Irish uh, like folk music came about in America. Like... People emigrating here, they couldn't work. The Dubliners, pal. The Dubliners. What about them? They're not from America. They didn't even live in America. What about the Pogues? We like yeah. them. I like the, the Pogues. Pogues. Yeah, yeah. And guess where the Pogues are from? Not America. Your theory is, I'm sorry, it's incorrect. I could see I could see what you're saying. I can see how you're saying the immigrants who come over from this country would have perhaps brought their culture with them. And I think There's a that's, lot of Irish irrelevant. music made in America, is what I was saying. Yeah, I think that's relevant. Sense. 
I think that's relevant. So, Jared, did you uh, land on another song that you'd like to play as your favorite song? I'm going to choose Atlantic City. That's a pretty good one, really. They blew up the chicken man. Blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. Now they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're getting ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state. And the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble out on the promenade. And the gambler... That's a good choice. I love that song. It's a good song. It's a pretty good song. I don't know if I heard the band version or the the... Bruce Springsteen version first. I always question. thought that Bruce covered the band because nah. I mean it's like when you think of the band that that the they cover came out in ninety three. They can't write a song like that. Honestly, though, speaking of covers, there are so many Bruce Springsteen covers I that it, yep. it's insane. How about you? Blinded by the light. I thought that was. By the way, the original his ver- the original version mm-hmm. is way better. Yeah, I, way I didn't. Better. I thought I, I didn't I realize like, he wrote it. Yeah, it's way better. I didn't know that until this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the cover of The Ghost of Tom Joad from Raging the Machine is one that yeah. I have been I've been playing that like yeah. nonstop. That is such a good cover. I love I loved Raging the Machine in terms of like their music, and I didn't even realize that was a Bruce Springsteen cover until recently. Uh, I also think the Johnny Cash covers that you put in there are very, very good. Yes. Johnny 99 and Highway Patrolman. Yes. Highway Patrolman is a really excellent song. It is. Absolutely. Also off of Nebraska. Vampire Weekend covered the song uh, I'm Going Down. That's a good one, too. Hot Chip covered the song Dancing in the Dark. And they put a little bit of LCD sound system in there, too. Do you notice that? And thank goodness that they did, you know? And thank goodness that they did. So Bruce Springsteen, um, the the... His first hit was Hungry Heart, maybe? Yeah, Hungry Heart. <laughs> okay, yeah. Before, because it was after over. Born to Run, which I found surprising. Yeah, Hungry Heart was his first hit song in the top, in the radio. But he had written um, the song Blinded by the Light, which was covered by Manfred Mann. And then he also wrote the song Fire that he did not put on his album, but was later covered by the Pointer Sisters. And that song became a hit. And he was upset because he had two songs that he put out that were not hit. Like he had not had a hit he didn't up have to that. Yeah, and yeah. all these other songs that he had written became hits. But yeah. he finally got a hit with um, "Hungry Heart," and then obviously with the rest of his, you know, like with "Born to Run," he had some big hits. He never had a number one hit, but he did have a few top ten hits. Um, but I mean, it's just kind of hard with when you have pop radio. He had to go pop to be able to become successful on the right. radio, which. Yeah. I mean, those songs are still good, and they, like, the political message of the album Born in the USA is veiled, as you were saying before. Like, you know, when you listen to the song Born in the, song Born in the USA, they're talk, he's talking about Vietnam, he's talking yes. about other political things. Well, he's talking right? about Vietnam, he's talking about what it's like to come back as a vet, he's mm-hmm. talking about what it's like to even be sent there to begin with, mm-hmm. right. you know, and what life's like just even growing up, and the... the not, you know how difficult it is in society with all the garbage that the government does kind of thing and also like i think that one of the most <laughs> difficult things because if you think about like him having like number one hits at the year of 84 just imagine releasing born in the usa and realizing that you had to compete then with prince and the revolution's purple rain 
Like, right. how how are you going to have a number one hit at that point in time? You know, like there's a lot of really like quality. And Madonna was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quality albums that were coming out in those like mid to early '80s. Like Michael era. Jackson was around mm-hmm. yeah. doing stuff. And like honestly, like just to think that you would be able to do a pop album in the way that he did and have a single, like at that high. But I mean, the album in its own right was number one for multiple weeks. And it stayed in the top 10 for, I think, 83 weeks, if I remember correctly, yep. it was in the top 10. The thing about it, too, though, is, and you can tell when you listen to it, and you can tell when you look at the cover, who it's meant to pull in. And it hits all of, it hits the big population region that's not the coast. Right. And those are all the, like, I was conditioned as a young person to like Heartland Rock, for sure, instance. Sure, sure. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard songs from that album on the radio and all over the place. Yeah. Which is partially probably why I don't like it. You know. I mean, I could see that for sure. That but being like, conditioned at, to try uh, and make somebody like something eventually will make them not like that thing. Do you horrible. like Bruce Springsteen more than John Mellencamp? Probably. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. I probably That's entirely cuz I really there. I hate I hate John Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't like And Bruce I don't even res- I don't really even respect John Mellencamp as an uh, artist uh, that much. I love John Mellencamp. Actually, can I tell a story about John Mellencamp? I would prefer it if you didn't. Yeah, why would you? I missed the episode where I could have done it. Why? He wasn't on it. Where were you? John yeah. Mellencamp's sister called me a dick. I did. I did photos for her. It was great. That's my story. <laughs> right, thank you. That's that a good story. Thank you for backing up my point. That whole family. <laughs> that whole oh, I loved her. She was family. the coolest. Avoid Seymour. No, go to Seymour. They're great. See less of Seymour. So, what do you guys think about? So, did you did anybody listen to Western Stars? Did we were we yes. able to get through Western I, Stars? Some of it. Hold, let me get back. I to listened it. to Western. So we didn't really talk um, about I, his most recent work. That's we, we focused Stars. on his eighties. I want work. to talk about Wrecking Ball a little bit, but before yeah, that, yeah. so he had an album that came out in two thousand and two called yeah. The Rising, and it was his uh, response to nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has the song called uh. The rising, which is you know rising up from you know the, the the hardships that we had. Sure. But he also has a song that came out on that same album called "You're Missing," that was basically written for somebody that had been in the towers on 9/11. You know, right. like um, it's a really good song. It has a pretty good message. It's kind of more vague in terms of you know like you wouldn't probably know that that's what he's talking about. But I mean, he is from New York. I mean, he's from New Jersey, but still around that area enough where it, it affect him. So his response to that is probably pretty important for people that, you know, are from that region. But I also, I saw Bruce Springsteen in the East Street Band in 2000, probably around 12 or 13 after Wrecking Ball. It was during the Wrecking Ball tour. And I really liked that album. I still really like that album. I think it's probably one of his, probably one of his best albums in, in terms of... Outside of the 80s? Yeah. I mean, just like... It is up there with those albums, in my opinion, in terms of quality. You you might not think that, but I don't really care. I didn't actually. But, I thought I I thought that Wrecking Ball was astronomically better than A Tunnel of Love. Yeah, no doubt. But it I definitely think, is a return. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a return, and I it's very political. Yeah, the song like we take care of our own is very relevant to what's happening right now. Right, and you know it it is. I think probably like. 
people that grew up listening to Bruce Springsteen in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, probably thought that he was one way politically. And then Wrecking Ball came out and everything that they probably thought about him in terms of. Well, it was prior, <laughs> it was prior to that. Change. Because people did think that. Mm-hmm. That he has, that he was a, you know, well, also you got to remember where the working class sided during the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, right, and it, right. but you know, he was like a hometown hero kind of guy, blue collar, you know, yeah. he's got my, that's my boy right there, you know, so people think he was like that. And then he backed Obama all of 2008 yeah, in Ohio, right. even here in Ohio. And, yeah. But yeah, with Western stars, like you can tell that he's going in that more like of a southern direction with his music. I mean, yeah. they they put a damn horse on the cover of the album. You it's, knew where they were going. There's like, never there. I mark my words. There has never been an album where a horse was on the cover and there wasn't some folk or some country well, on that album. Yeah. You don't put a horse on an album and make a rock record. It depends. You don't do it. Yeah, there's you no hip hop the, record. The Eagles do. And I don't like the Eagles, but I'll stand up for it right here. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So anyway, this album is really... Int- I find this album kind of like weird uh, because it's a country album. Right. But it's a country album that's not really a country album. Right. It's country because all of the Bruce Springsteen-y stuff has made its way into country music. Yeah. So it's a country album because today's country sounds like that. But if that had come out, you know, if he had written that before Modern Country was all Bruce Springsteen-y, it wouldn't, it'd just be a Bruce Springsteen, you know, it would be yeah. a slightly Southern styled, but now it's country. It's like, dude, all these country people have already done all of these sounds, Bruce. Yeah. You're kind of late to the party, you know, you, like you both have moved in the same direction and now you're just sitting there. Yeah. You're both in Omaha or something, just hanging out. Somehow they made it to, <gasps> wait, Nebraska. Nebraska, you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, boy. He's probably the best Heartland Rock artist there is. I mean, I can't imagine there being Heartland Rock without a Bruce Springsteen. If you don't think Cougar could have done it on his own. Cougar! Then um, you, better, you better watch. I'll bust your lip, pal. You will. Oh, I will say that I... Your I dip do- lip? Your dip lip. <laughs> your dip. You better watch. I'm going to get your dip lip. You won't bowl a dip for a week, pal. You might as well go out my dip. You might as well go ahead and clean your mud jug because you ain't gonna be using it. You won't be able to dip. You'll be considered suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I I enjoyed many moments of Bruce Springsteen. I um I didn't honestly think that I would love a good portion of it just because I don't think that Heartland Rock fits my musical narrative very well but I do think that like like you said like I don't I just don't think that a Heartland Rock survives without a Bruce Springsteen and I think that he was a necessity and I think that he brought a voice to a lot of people that did not get to have a voice and I think that that is necessary for sure that is my closing thought on Bruce Springsteen I think yeah, I'm in a similar boat with you. I've been attempting to escape Heartland Rock most of my life. Haven't we all? Yeah, and I've gotten out of it. And the fact that you, Jared, has have forced me to, to crawl through the trenches of what the people call music here in the Midwest is okay. I'm not that upset about it. That's good. But all in all, I don't. I do not like Bruce Springsteen. All in all. Like I said, there's pro- I could collect an album's worth of songs that I like, probably. Mm-hmm. 
and the rest of it just doesn't do it for me. You know, none of it. But I, it's just really, really, I find it very difficult. I don't know why. Uh, but I respect him as an artist yeah. and his mark on musical history. And I respect the fact that people that, you know, there are large numbers of people who love Bruce Springsteen. And I feel he's, and I've been told this, and I do think that he's an artist where you either like him or you don't. And uh, I, I just respect him. I do respect him a lot for what he's done and continuing to make music and being a long-term musician and ha- making that his business, you know, and utilizing it as a way to talk about problems in this country, whether, you know, while still making songs that a lot of people can get behind, whether it does or doesn't work out. So even though I don't like him, I think he's a good artist for those reasons. Are you pleased, Jared? Am I pleased with listening or his response? Pleased with listening to yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Yes. You glad that we got we we had this opportunity? I know you've been waiting for a while to do Bruce. We were I supposed have. to do Bruce last year. I know. We ended up doing Bruce last year. We're I'd doing Bruce select, this year. I had to select him myself. I like Bruce Springsteen, as I said before. I, I enjoy listening to him as often as I can. I like that he has been able to become relevant again. He's on talk shows. He's His albums are things. Mm-hmm. The album Western Stars was they made a film. They also made another film called Blinded by the Light that was uh, about his music and how that's affected people in the film and in about film, you know, in real life. Well, well. he so, also he was a Tony winner because yeah, of the, of the, the Broadway, the stuff, Broadway his stuff. Broadway uh, performances on Netflix and it, yep. it, he was on Broadway for a long period of time. Tickets were sold out, and he basically would perform uh, or tell the story of a song that he had written. And then perform it and then go to the next song and say, this is what was happening around this time, uh, politically, various things, and why the song was written. And then he performed it stripped down in a way he'd never done before. And it became very large, very huge. He'd only planned on doing it for a few weeks and it became like a month long stay in, in on Broadway. So much so that they made a Netflix film out of it. And uh, so, I mean, he's been able to re- resurrect his career he was very popular in the late seventies and all, all throughout the eighties. Then he had some falling off in some in the nineties and the two thousand uh, early to mid two thousands. But then, you know the the song that he did for the wrestler, the film in two thousand eight, kind of brought him back. And then the right. excellent album of Wrecking Ball kind of solidified his return to popularity and respect among right. the music industry. You know, he's been on Jimmy Fallon a bunch of times. Right. He's more, he's not as serious, but his opinion matters in this country, I believe, um, as it has for a, a long, for, you know, 40 years plus of, you know, what he's been saying about the Midwest yeah. and about various other things. So, yes, I enjoy Bruce Springsteen. And I, I'm glad that we did it. Dax, your final thoughts? Uh, Bruce is pretty good. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So for now, that. can you can I'm you go use on this, to? Yep, yeah, please. I'm going to use this moment also to uh, <clears throat> welcome our newest patron, uh, Jamie. Thank you for uh, thank you for signing up. We appreciate you. We're going to give you an elbow because it's unsafe to do any uh, handshakes and nope. virtual elbow. Mine's Absolutely. Virtual. I'm just not going to touch my face afterwards. Mm. And I suggest I you don't either. I touch my face when I'm with you. We'll let you consider that risk for when yourself, Jamie, but thank it, you. But I washed it. Pretty good. All right. Uh, and, it, of course, if you, you know, if you're looking for, for us, look on Patreon, look at our website and all that fun stuff. Let's do the thing. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. 
This week we've been talking about the artist Bruce Springsteen, and next week we will be talking about the artist Sufjan Stevens. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Patreon. And be on the lookout because our website is about to be a little bit better than what it was before. A little bit better than what it was before. It's worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning, I guess. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.